Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. Shh! Mental illness, the silent disease. Thankfully today, we have Katie Griffiths, who's taken a transparent view into her own personal journey with this issue, written a book called Shh! Mental Illness, the Silent Disease, and she's offering what she's learned from God and the hope that is there in the midst of what can seem very hopeless. And so here on In Awe by Bruce, we'd like to welcome KT to the show. How are you doing, KT? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on and thank you for writing this book because it, it's such an important topic today, especially as I think people are realizing there's so much of this going on and so many things that can bring this about. And especially after maybe even the COVID time, that it's very good to have some kind of transparent information like you put in your book on this. So start off, what got you writing the book? What encouraged you or what led you to this? At first, I didn't know I was writing a book, but a lady had prayed over me several years before and she said, you're going to be writing books. And I'm, oh no, I'm an open book. I, I share easily with people. English was never my thing. I don't see that happening. So here she's getting a download from God, and I'm like kind of arguing with it, like, no, that would never happen. But then a few years later, I would wake up every day with a new thought and inspiration, and I knew it was from God. So I started a journal, which is another thing that I've never really done. I'm not a journaler, but for this, I did. And God showed me something every day to write down for like the whole year that I was working on this. Wow. What in your life or the lives of the people around you, for those listening, got you deep into this? Well, I have six children. One that started the adventure of going to doctors to find out what was going on. Other children later, after they were in college, were diagnosed with ADD. But for her, she had the first clinical diagnosis of ADHD. And from that, it went on to a lot of directions. Her diagnosis at this point, there's probably more than 10 that I could count on my fingers. And she's been in and out of many, many treatment programs. Just round up a number, let's say 10 to 12. And a lot of those, most people could not pay for. So I understand the pain that they go through without release. But with her, and I'm not saying she's in a good place right now. She's not. But each place that we went to, she learned something. And she will say that. She will say, it's not all been a mistake. I have learned something from everywhere I have been. Uh But it's not enough for her to make the decision that she can't go back down that road. I can explain it better from, from a dream she shared with me. And there was a dream that had two doors. One door had a bright light in it, around it coming out of the edges of it, and the other one had dark. It was keeping out of it. So she'd go to reach for the bright door, and the dark would come and just swoop her back over to that door. And then the light would come and swoop her back over to that door. And in her dream, it was a tug of war. So she was standing there and has to make a decision. And right now, I think that she has opened that the dark door, and she's been walking through that for a few years. But my hope and prayer is that she will reach and be able to find her way back to the other. So you've got that going on. Anything else with any other children that you'd like to talk about? Or I can mention one of my sons. 
he was also acting out in school a little bit, so we sent him to a, a boarding school. But I will say that when he was there, the relationship that he had with one of the counselors led him to the Lord. And it was a very positive thing. So it's relationships that change people. God changes the heart. But relationships get them to move forward and see that they have a need. And we're the hands and feet, and that's who we are. As you've delved into this subject, what more can you tell us about how you're seeing it affect other families or what you're seeing causing this or bringing it up? Is there something that's going on that's driven this? My daughter's first diagnosis is were always anxiety and depression. So during her school years, it was so hard to get her out of bed. She had her homework done. I had a tutor for her. Everything was in that order was kept well, that she'd have her clothes laid out, that she couldn't shut off her mind. So therefore, she couldn't get to sleep. So she would replay things in her mind all night. And then by the time she went to sleep, it was time to wake up. And that I couldn't do. So when she did wake up, she was in like a sleepwalking trance. So I took that to the doctor. He said that is a side of depression that she's experiencing. And it became really bad where I couldn't get her out of bed. I had a, a counselor on call. I would call and say, hey, this is what's going on. I'd hand her the phone. He would talk to her. and I don't know what they said, but she would start to come out of it a little bit. And then I would sit in that room all day because of suicidal thoughts and different directions we've been in the past. I didn't want her going down those, those trails. So I would sit in the room with her. I would be available. And I know some parents can't. They have jobs. And I understand that. But for me, I did. I spent that time with her. She slept. And I just didn't leave the room. I took a book in there with me. And I just stayed in there because one of her diagnoses is borderline personality. So to have me in her presence was all she needed to be comfortable because that means attachment issues, that she would have attachments that if I left the room, then I'm not attached. So, you know, there was more to her diagnosis that went a little further than maybe the norm. But anyway, that's what I did. And she would say, touch me, and I would touch her. And the very lightest touch would send her screaming because every nerve on her body was like in heightened. And I know that nobody will understand that unless you're experiencing it with yourself or with somebody else. Yeah. There may not be an answer to this, Kate, Mm -hmm. but for a parent that has to go to work and they have a child in this situation, anything you can suggest at all? We have really good counselors. Some of them did not connect with my daughter and she'd walk out of the room. She said, no, this person is not going to get me. She wasn't going to open up. But then I found one that I really did connect with very well. As parents, we could call him at any time. And he became a good friend after a while because we spent so much time walking through life. So I think it's really searching and finding the right person for your situation that the child can call and have a direct line to who they need to talk to also. Also, don't be afraid to call 911 if your child is in such deep depression and suicidal thoughts. The threats that they present, they're either a cry for help or they're real, and you don't know which way that goes. Right. So don't be afraid to call or put them in your car and say, I'm taking you to the hospital. Your depression has gotten so bad that you need help. Now, what that does for the child, it doesn't solve anything, but it does give them a reprieve. It gives them a minute to kind of settle their thoughts. They know they're in a safe place. The doctors may prescribe medicine, which also will give them a plateau that they cannot fall under that further than where the medicine takes them. So Mm -hmm. it's only a temporary thing. It doesn't mean it has to be a lifetime of medicine, but it does 
give you a stopping point that you can you can have a break. And so I think in some ways it's like the parent freaks out. Oh my gosh, I got to take my daughter to the psych ward, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes overwhelming for the parent. But you have to trust God. That is the main thing. You have to trust God that He's going to do what He has to do in that situation. And you pray that there is a connection in there that will help them see things a little differently. Okay. So let me take a stop from what we're talking about in a sense, and, and mm-hmm. I maybe should have done this off the bat, but I think it'd be good to do it now. And okay. do it in your book, how would you define mental illness? Oh, that's a big one. I put my own definition in the book. Um, I did not, because I'm not clinical, and I didn't want to put something that, that possibly wouldn't be exactly accurate from a doctor's standpoint. My definition, okay, of mental illness or mental health disorders include a wide variety of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and behaviors. This may consume a person with the ability to be aggressive or non-responsive to normal society interaction. Trauma, genetic makeup, and chemicals in the brain can respond to the body in different ways, creating voids that cry for attention. Then I list a lot of different titles that go under that, like post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, insomnia, attention deficit, bipolar, dysthymia, dementia. I mean, narcissistic, all of these things, personality disorders, all of these things kind of fall. And then the the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, number five, is where you can find a lot of answers to questions. Okay. And that's what all the counselors use that book. Good. I want people to hear that there's a wide variety of things and they can cause different effects and somebody can be in a what you'd look at and goes a normal kind of relationship at one point and then totally different at another point. Right, exactly. And everybody's different. Um, And these doctors have to kind of get to know the person, the patient very well before they can give a diagnosis. So there's a lot of tricks there and they, they have to answer they have computers set up here, answer these questions. You go, The child will go through the computer questions. They want to see what their mental health is for that day. And mm-hmm. in the, like they'll say, have you had any suicidal thoughts? And they have to answer honestly. And surprising enough, those kids answer well. They will give their real emotions and their feelings to the doctor. So why does tying many of the mental illnesses to harsh disease hurt those with mental illnesses? Well, I think in some ways it's hard to get out of the pain that you're living in. Mm-hmm. And the trauma is that layer. They layer over, and you don't become schizophrenic in some ways. My daughter was more of a multiple personality, and so what that means is that she would create altars to cover yes. the pain. Like one time she had a gun held to her head. So in that space of this trauma that she's you know, going through at the moment, she creates an altar to give herself in her mind a safe place. So her mind will go to a safe place. And that gets her through that trauma at that time. So then she's through the trauma, but then her body holds that pain in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And it will come back at some point uh, at different times. You know, she can readdress it when she's ready. Because if her body's not ready to address it, you may never unlayer that part of your body. <laughs> Lots of layers. Yeah, lots of layers. If your child is one of the, the kind of child that gets bullied a lot, yeah. is always in the principal's office, you know, all these things that happen, then there's probably a lot of layers that need to be forgiven. And I think the body has to know it's okay and it's safe to forgive those people that hurt you. And that can be walked through with a good counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, if you trust your parents, 
I don't know. Parents have to be very careful in this because when a child opens up to tell you something they went through, you could put a scowl on your face that could harm them more. Like you did that, you what? And they start they start attacking instead of loving. Yeah. And I think in some ways you have to be so careful as a parent to know how to address your child and listen. Listening will lead to truth, and then truth will lead to trust. So all of that is in order, and if you can get that from your child, you will go very far in having a relationship with them, and they won't rebel against you later. Yeah, I think the key that you said there for me in almost everything we do, and you saw Jesus do this, is that you listen. Mm -hmm. Because so often we're told in our world to be solution people and solvers, Mm -hmm. problem solvers and everything. And that's not what somebody needs. Uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember his name. He's the Christian pastor who became a leadership speaker. And him or somebody else said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Yeah. And and you you can only do that by listening and showing love and mercy and grace. Exactly. Grace is a big, good word there. I'm going to take it to another direction. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about rape and uh, trafficking. Those young women or boys, this happens to either or, when they come back with a story that this happened to me, that's another time that the parent has to listen and act if they feel like we need to act further on this. Let's say if it's a rape. What I want to say is that when the, your child goes to college, they need to know that it's okay to call a 911 helpline for if you have become a victim. Because yeah. if they think that the parents are the only people that they can trust that they can give information to, yes. they will never tell you the truth. So you have to let your child have freedom to go and get the help they need so they can process what they need. You may never, ever find out about it, but they will become whole because they're able to forgive and move on past that. Yeah, boy, that's so true. Uh, As you've gone through all this, Mm -hmm. my first thought then is move away from the victim. How do you, as a a parent Mm -hmm. or a friend or whatever, how do you rely upon God to help you in these situations? Well, in the beginning, through the high school years especially, it was so hard. I even called the school counselor and said, how codependent do you want me to be? And my yeah. daughter had one month to graduate. And she, she said, you be as codependent as it takes to get her to walk across that stage. Uh-huh. And they did not want her to go into having to make up two years of a GED, that kind of thing. And she was so close to getting this degree. So I did what I had to do. She took the test. She did her work. It was so stressful because her anxieties were the top of her life at that point because of all the pressure that she was under to get everything ready for graduation. And then, so for that, I was on my knees a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot during that first period. Then I think I had a lot of prayer people that would just call me in the middle of the night. Hey, what's going on? The Lord put your daughter on my heart. What's happening? And I was so thankful that I had friends and people that knew or listening to the Lord and they would call me and say, I'm praying for your daughter. And then from there, it went on further. And then I wrote this book. This book was a part of my healing. And I think when people start writing or sharing their story, it makes it easier to realize that God is in this. I mean, the Lord has saved my daughter's life so many times. And I'm thankful. And to say that, I'm thankful. But I'm also sorry for the parents that had to go through suicide. That's so painful. And I'm sorry for that for you. But for me, that's where I have been. Um, She's still on the street. And 
I could get a knock on my door any day saying, hey, come claim your daughter. You know, and I know that, that there's nothing more I can do. I have exhausted everything that I can do. Mm-hmm. And it's truly relying on God at this point to help her figure this out. And I can take a break. And I have a release to do that. So I'm, I'm okay with that. That's good. That's good advice. And I'm sure helpful for those listening to, to understand what they can do and where mm-hmm. they can go and how to handle it. We talked about listening. At what point or when should somebody feel comfortable with maybe saying something about taking it to a counselor or police or whatever might be the appropriate situation? Oh, those are good thoughts. We have done both. (laughs) Okay, counseling, don't wait until your child's too old and they don't want to go. They have great children counselors right now. Mm-hmm. They find a child, uh, someone who's used to working with child, they can do play therapy. There's things that might have happened to your child as young as three, five, four, you know, all of these ages that could happen that doesn't come out. Or maybe they've watched something on TV they shouldn't have, or they've heard something, or, you know, there's a lot of arguing going in their home. This is confusing for the child. There are reasons to go ahead and let that child have an expression, in a, and they can do this online. They have online counselors or you can take them to a counselor. But I would not hesitate to do that and and get this child help at a young age and not wait until it blows up in middle school, which everything blows up in middle school. That's when sex, drugs, and parties, and everything else happens. So be aware of middle school. You know, kind of know where you're at and where your kid is. That's great. So as we come to kind of the end of the program, tell us how we can find out more. So we have your book out there that's Mental Illness, The Silent Disease. By KT Griffiths. I found it on Amazon, no problem. I'm sure it at Christian Books. It is. Yeah. Um, Barnes and Noble. Um, well, that is, I, yeah, you could probably order it through Barnes and Noble. I've seen that you could. Morningstar Publications, you could get it through my publisher. And yeah, if you go to ktgriffiths.com, and that is with an S, Griffiths is with an S, then you can have the information on all of that. You could order it, they'll take you right to an order spot. And also on that website, I have a conference that I'm doing March 3 and 4 coming up soon, but I would advise you to come. If you have questions and answers, and if you're a parent walking through this, then you're going to be with other parents that are hurting, and we can all come together. I am not going to record this. I know that people want me to, but we're not, we want to be able to have a private place that we can all talk. So that's kind of where I have left that. And I know that streaming is coming more and more available, but I've talked to my speakers and everyone agrees that, no, we're going to do this privately because we want to help people and be open. But the information is on my website. Yeah. So just just tell us so the people here can hear where's the conference at and two days and... um, Right. It's really an evening which starts at six o'clock in the evening on the third, and it'll go until maybe 10. I'm not sure exactly when it will cut, but then the next day we're going to start and we'll go from morning. We'll have breakfast and a lunch and a snack in the afternoon, and we're done by 5. Okay. But anybody could stay longer if they want because I have the room for the whole day. So it's kind of up to them, but that's when the program part will be over. Okay, and the location? And that will be Heritage Conference Center, and that's in Fort Mill, South Carolina. It's just not even a mile over the border from North Carolina, and the airport's not even maybe 23 minutes away. It's pretty close. Okay, so what airport would they fly into? Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte okay. Charlotte Airport, right. So it's that close, yeah. okay. Anybody else going to be speaking besides you? 
Yes, I will name a few, but the one that I'm going to highlight to you right now is Dominic Herbst. He has walked us through a whole lifetime of help, and uh-huh. Dominic is one of the best. And actually, I got his name through the Hagees. John and Diana, we, I was in the car with them explaining my my your situation, and they picked up the phone right then and said, I want to introduce you to Dominic Herbst. Uh-huh. And so he's been a great help for me, and he will be speaking. He's got I've gone to two of his conferences that he does personally, and great help. Good deal. So we'll put your uh, website up on on our podcast on the information page. Yeah. And uh, Katie, God bless you. People pray for her daughter and her and the rest of the family. And uh, thank you very much for everything, insight you've given us. And, you know, you can get a lot of this right from the book. Right. Illness, the secret disease. Right. Thank you. (laughs) 